Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. With summer quickly approaching, CarShield is offering a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs, like AC parts and check engine light mysteries. See why CarShield is voted America's most trusted vehicle protection company and see why our commitment to our customers has landed us an A rating with the Better Business Bureau. We have live reps here to answer all your questions. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Visit us for your free quick quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. What do you have to lose? Visit carshield.com audio. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golver with the Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina. He's been covering the NBA for 538 and GQ. Okay, Casanova, Mr. GQ himself, Michael Pina. I need your help on this episode because we've got a whole bunch of rumors, an awful lot of scuttlebutt. And what I want to do, Michael, is I want you to help me play matchmaker on some of the big names that are kind of floating around out there, potentially needing a, a spot to land by trade, potentially needing a spot to land in the NBA draft. And I'm going to start with the guy who I feel like until last night anyways, Wednesday night, was leading the entire NBA draft and and NBA uh, rumor, NBA Twitter circles. His name was on the top of all the lists, LaMelo Ball. Um, On our last episode, we had talked about the pros and cons of, say, the Minnesota Timberwolves looking at James Weissman with that number one pick. Could they go any other directions? And it seems like there's a real, uh, you know, asserted push here now for the idea that LaMelo might be the, the most desired name in this draft. Of course, he is Lonzo Ball's younger brother. He's taller. He's better on the ball. Uh, he's a phenomenal passer like his brother. He's had a really strange journey, you know, Lithuania, Ohio, Australia, and back again uh, after being a big-time uh, high school basketball star here in Southern California. And somehow he is now the man of the moment. So, Michael, I want you to help me start uh, before we get into some of the, the trade names like, you know, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and maybe even James Harden. I think we need to figure out, first of all, do you like 
the concept of LaMelo Ball? Do you like the player LaMelo Ball? Are you in on him? Are you out on him? And then we're going to talk through uh, where he should land. What do you think? Sounds wonderful. Can't wait to dig in with you, Ben. So thumbs up or thumbs down? Are you in on the uh, LaMelo experience? And let's not race straight to the like, oh, LaVar's going to be in the way thing. Like, I think it's a little bit of a different vibe now, right? I mean, LaVar was clearly a factor in, uh, you know, Lonzo's uh, situation and the big baller brand went up in smoke and LaVar's kind of taken a a more of a backseat here, I think, with LaMelo allowing him to, you know, be his own man. From a basketball standpoint, from a you know a, a makeup standpoint, are you in or are you out on Lamelo Ball? Uh, my thumb is is horizontal right now. Um, I think it's very contextual here. Wherever he ends up could dictate how good of a career he has. And I like a lot of his positive traits offensively. I love, you know, guys his size who can pass the way he does. Brilliant passer. Every highlight reel that I've seen, that's the, uh, I mean, that's the first thing that pops, that pops off the screen. Um, has some range on his shot, has some touch around the basket. Uh, again, good size. I'm, I'm just weary about some of the decision making. Uh, some of the, you know, he doesn't really have it on the defensive end yet and hasn't shown uh, a willingness to really grind on that side of the ball. Uh, that doesn't mean that he'll never be a good defender because he has size and length and all that stuff that it could make him good. But I mean, compared to Lonzo, Lonzo even coming out of college was uh, an intriguing defensive player who really had a brain on that side of the ball um, and has really, you know, in the NBA been a plus defender his entire career really I don't know if Lamelo's going to be like that um but yeah so I mean again it's just like where will he end up and what around him like if I'm just starting a team from scratch I'm pretty I'm intrigued by him because he can make everybody else around him better and he can score in one-on-one situations and all that but you know you're not starting from scratch. You're throwing him onto an NBA team, and so if if he's in the uh, a poor situation, surrounded by players who also need the ball in their hands, etc., I don't know how good it's going to work out for him. Yeah, look, a lot of the guys who I respect out there, Mike Schmitz at ESPN, John Hollinger, Chad Ford, I have all basically heard say, "Hey, this guy's probably the number one guy." You know that that's going to go. And uh-huh. I think that says something about LaMelo and his upside and just the fact that he's a tall playmaker with great natural vision and a good handle, comfortable on the ball. And, you know, his his shooting isn't the most efficient, but certainly he, he has deep range. Um, you know, that's an interesting and, and pretty modern package. But I also think it just says a lot about who are these other players towards the top. You know, they also have, you know, pretty big red flags. I mean, to me, anytime you have a player that's bounced from city to city to city, barely played any games over the last couple of years, and as you're pointing out, a major red flag is just defense, all of it, um, that's making me nervous off the top, right? And it's the kind of guy where, yeah, I could talk myself into him being the number one overall pick for somebody else. I don't want to have to use my number one pick on LaMelo Ball, right, if that makes sense. And so I think that's a key distinction. I I get it in a vacuum. I just personally probably would not want to sign up for that uh, particular experience. I think the the lack of physicality, uh, given his height, uh, worries me. Uh, The lack of activity Mm -hmm. defensively when you're that long and you are that big, that should be a strength. That worries me a little bit. I know some guys do say he does a pretty good job of rebounding in traffic, and that's always nice because you can rebound and push. But I think, um, you know, I got suckered into the Lonzo hype for sure, 
And a big part of it was just the the incredible passing ability, the hit ahead passes. And I think what we've seen in the NBA is like that that works a couple times a game at most. You know, that's not how you really are going to generate consistent offense, even if you're an up and down team. Those phenomenal like alley oop passes from half court, that's the icing on the cake, right? That's not the the steak dinner. And I, I do think that LaMelo is a little bit better prepared to, to lead a half-court offense in, in ways maybe that Lonzo wasn't. But I'm just mm-hmm. still not uh, convinced that he is that night-to-night reliable player. And I think part of it for me is, you know, he had some triple-doubles in, in Australia, and there's been some really high moments. And I think that once he had those really good games, he just sort of figured, well, hey, look, I don't need to keep playing here. I've, I've kind of shown what I can do and go home. I don't love that attitude. You know, I like the guys who want to say, I just want to play basketball. I'm trying to get to the best competition. I just want to continue to play because I love the game. And that that part is just a little bit of a red flag to me. Why didn't he play more? Why didn't he have more stability in his life? Um, Maybe you don't blame him for that necessarily, but I wonder what kind of habits that that um, builds up. I mean, the NBA, it's this year, it'll be 72 games, but usually it's 82 games night after night. You have to have a deep, obsession with improvement and your own game to really make it as a lead guy and I think so far we've just seen a guy who's sort of like a vagabond traveled all over the world kind of pursuing this basketball dream in a very unorthodox manner and I just don't know how well those experiences translate to the NBA lifestyle so those are some of my concerns you know I always talk about what's a guy look like on his best day or his worst day and try to find the baseline and I think with LaMelo, the baseline is just a giant question mark because we have not seen him play nearly enough, um, you know, compared to a more traditional route, had he gone to college um, or had he just stayed with a, you know, a, a single high school program and, and played things out that way. So um, I guess, you know, to, to boil this all down, someone else should take him number one overall. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, his unconventional path is for sure. Uh, I think it makes him very difficult to take with the number one pick just because exactly we don't have the uh you know the quality of competition isn't what we are used to uh the volume of competition and volume of uh you know uh minutes and and reps and all that sort of stuff like it it just isn't there as you would typically see even with a one and done um because of just his situation and all the different places that he's played in the different countries that he's played. And he's kind of been dragged around by his father in part. Um, but I mean, I would be more excited about drafting LaMelo if I didn't have the number one pick, which is, I think is what you're kind of suggesting. Like if I was uh, Chicago or Charlotte or one of these teams further down, like if he fell to me, I'd be great. Like there's really no pressure here on him coming into my system and, and having success. But with the number one pick, the standards are just so much different. And so for sure, I, well, I just let's start with Minnesota yeah. before we get to our dream destinations for LaMelo. So Let's, you know, and I, there was reports that they met with LaMelo. He worked out for them in Los Angeles this week. They've talked to him previously. So he's obviously on the radar. He's got to be under consideration. Um, you know, there is an argument that says, hey, look, if he's the best player and the highest ceiling talent in the draft and you just view him as an organization uh, higher than Weissman because Weissman is, you know, subjected to the, uh, you know, the big man discount where like, you know, his value is going to be what, you know, 20 or 30% lower than, you know, maybe a a lead playmaker with the ball in his hands in in the modern NBA. If that's how you're evaluating these guys, if you're Minnesota, do you just take him or what is the hangup for not wanting to take him given the other pieces that they've got? 
I mean, the hang-up is the other pieces that they have. <laughs> I mean, like, well, it really makes it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever if you're trying to build a competitive team to have two players that need the ball and are bad on defense in your backcourt. So D'Angelo Russell and LaMelo Ball just make absolutely no sense to me. Um, that just... You know they're they're very similar too, like inability to get to the free throw oh, line, I know. shy away from contact. All like, the reasons I don't like Russell are the same reasons I don't like Lamelo. Exactly. So, I like what are you doing there if you're Minnesota and you're like, eventually, let's say you get to a playoff series with the terrible defense that you have. Like, what is going on there? You are just going to get shredded. So, um. Combining those two with a max level center in Carl Anthony Towns, who I, I go back and forth on just how much I like him as a player, um, he needs touches as well, and he's not a very good defensive player. I think that that is, we have seen enough to know that. So again, like one of my reasons why I was so high on Weissman for them is just, I think that defensively you need to shore up that side of the ball um, with an anchor, uh, a long-term anchor who kind of complements everybody else and doesn't necessarily overlap as much as uh, Lamelo and D'Angelo would. Um, but maybe if you're Minnesota, you know, you draft Lamelo and you dangle Russell. Like, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what the thinking is there. Um, if you're Minnesota and you are so gung-ho on making the playoffs right away, why you would take this player. Okay, here's a hypothetical for you. If your big three, their current big three is Russell, LaMelo Ball, and Carl Anthony Towns, and I gave you Anthony Davis and Paul George, would they still be a below average defense? Uh, no. <laughs> are, are you Are you sure? It's possible. It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. I mean, that's just a huge basketball team, and you have Anthony Davis is the best defender in the world, in my opinion. So I think that he kind of gets your 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 basement up to league average at worst. Uh, and I think you know when you have someone like PG taking care of the opposing team's best offensive wing every night, then that makes life easier. Well, I'm just, on Lamello I'm and, picturing and a situation guys. where the other teams are like just you know trying to get, force switches, and Paul George is just having to mm. run through like 17 switches per possession because literally anyone else on the team could be exploited. Look, I'm asking that with my tongue and my cheek. I, you, and, uh, you're probably right, but I'm not totally sure that you are. Like, I think that that's. That's like a bottom three defense if you're talking about like your big three core, almost guaranteed between Towns, um, Ball, and Russell. And I don't even, you know, and if we're saying realistic guys that you could plug in, like the Josh Akogis of the world, or like you're hoping Jarrett Culver becomes a nice defensive perimeter player, like your ceiling is like, what, 24th on defense, maybe? Like it's really, really, really hard to win, especially in the Western Conference if that's your group. So I think that's a major fit issue there in Minnesota, and it would take huge guts for them to just look at that in the face and be like, eh, whatever, we're still going to take LaMelo. We believe in his upside, right? I think the other issue is you've hit it right on the head, duplication of talent with Russell. The only thing I would add is, you know, this idea of, oh, could they trade Russell? Is there some other way to work this out? They just spent basically a year chasing D'Angelo Russell with the express purpose of his presence Mm -hmm. making Carl Anthony Towns happy. 
you just can't really turn around and undo that. You lose all your credibility with Towns. Um, you kind of confuse your fan base that was really excited about getting Russell in the first place. And then you come off kind of looking like you almost backstabbed Russell in a way, right? So I think they're hampered here kind of politically as well in terms of their internal dynamics of their organization. Look, you can either draft ball and just try to tell everybody, look, we need the talent. Let's see what it looks like on the court. You know, it's a weird season. Let's just run it out there. Um, or you have to trade that pick uh, and uh, hope somebody else is really that interested in getting LaMelo. Well, that brings me to my next question. Who should want to trade up to grab LaMelo? I mean, we're talking about all the reasons why maybe teams should be hesitant to do it. Are there any teams that you've got circled and say, okay, these teams should actually go in and take a flyer on this guy? Yeah, I mean, a team like... Uh, I have two teams here that I think are pretty intriguing. Um, the first, Jonathan Gavoni was talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, mentioning them as a possibility on a recent podcast with Zach Lowe that I was listening to a couple days ago. Um, I mean, if you're OKC and you're trying to basically start all over, start from scratch, this is an intriguing player. And you have so many different future assets to to move. Um, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I probably wouldn't put him on the table uh if i didn't have to because i love uh sga no, uh, he's he he's not going anywhere but you could have a really nice backcourt with shea and lamello right. that's a lot of length you know a lot of uh, playmaking ability a lot of scoring ability right so i mean i i, I think that they're a really intriguing landing spot for him they're just a, a, a you know a proud organization that has a track record for developing talent um, they have no expectation to win anytime soon there wouldn't be a lot of pressure um, the other organization that i could see potentially making a move here is the san antonio spurs oh and wow w- we talked about them in our last episode about how they were in you know they have no clear uh, a franchise player right now. Um, they are they have the 11th pick in this year's draft, so probably not going to get him in this year's draft. Maybe they will. Who knows? Um, but you trade up for uh, someone who has that ceiling, and then again, proud organization, great track record, developing talent, and no expectation to win anytime soon in a small market. I think that that would be a really great spot and partnership for both uh for both Lamelo and for the San Antonio Spurs. So it now, seems to me what, like you're really yeah. playing up this idea of like go to an organization that has great player development and no distractions mm-hmm. and just basically lock that guy in the practice gym and he's going to reach his full potential. <laughs> is that is that sort of where you're going with OKC and and San Antonio because uh, that's was sort of how Oklahoma City built its name, right? Is you know bringing in KD, Russell, and and Harden, let those guys get to their full potential as quickly as possible, and all those famous stories about those guys working out in the dog food factory and all that stuff. You know, I mean, um, you could see a guy who's traveled all over the world, had all this hype around him. Maybe he's already sick a little bit of of the limelight and all the Instagram followers and all that. Could he, could he settle into Oklahoma City? Are you trying to pitch me on that idea where he just needs a, a little small-town base to to get himself centered and, and focused on basketball? Yeah, I mean, sure. Minnesota isn't, you know, the Big Apple or anything like that. But I think in terms of, in terms of like, lifestyle, yes, I, I do think that it would be pretty slow and it, it, basketball-centric, which maybe that is something that could benefit LaMelo. I mean, I don't know him personally. I've never talked to him, but like just 
sit down, buckle in, focus on basketball, don't worry about anything else, and we're going to build around you. And that should be the message, and I think that that would be good for both those teams. Um, neither one of them has D'Angelo Russell, so that's already a check in their favor. So I see a couple of teams that are a little bit different than the model you've laid out. And now that you've laid those out, I'm wondering, huh, you might be onto something, right? If you get them into a structured organization that has had a history of winning recently, that might be better for him than what I'm describing. I'm going the other direction, though. I think that he also has a lot of marketing potential, obviously, given the following he's had since he's like 14 or 15 years old. I think he needs to have the ball in his hands no matter what. Um, He's got to be the man. I think he needs to go to a place where they have nothing else going on so that they can talk themselves into the LaMelo experience, just like the Lakers, when they had nothing else going on, talked themselves into the Lonzo experience and got really excited about it. Um, So I see a couple teams that could fit that bill. Um, The Chicago Bulls, the New York York Knicks, or the Detroit Pistons. And all those teams have picks in the lottery, so they could theoretically just like swing up you know, add a young player, uh, plus their pick, plus maybe a future asset to get up to number one. I don't know if the Timberwolves would have to drive the hardest bargain on this one, especially if they're just trading down with Chicago that's like still in the top five. But I think if you're Chicago, like you've had kind of all these safe player picks over the last few years and none of them have really worked and they've all been kind of just disappointing and a little bit, you know, frustrating. And a lot of that is coaching for sure. But you now you've got a new front office regime in Arturis. Why doesn't he just, you know, rip the suit off with the Superman cape underneath and swing big and try to bring in LaMelo? They've needed a point guard for years and years. You know, Chris Dunn is not the guy. Everybody realizes that. And build this whole thing around him. Sell a bunch of jerseys. Eventually, when the United Center is back open, you'll probably get some novelty factor and people want to go check out the LaMelo experience. And you just kind of cross your fingers and hope. Do they have a better... Um, strategy at this point? Are they just going to run it back with the same just kind of decrepit point guard rotation? I mean, I I think that that team should be motivated. I think obviously New York is as thirsty as it gets for talent at this point. I mean, their their roster is just absolutely terrible. LaMelo in the Big Apple, I'm sure, you know, if if Knicks fans get excited about Frank Nielakina, I'm sure they would get a little bit more excited about LaMelo Ball. Um, They've also just got nothing else going on. You could imagine a young pairing with with him and R.J. Barrett being very underwhelming and frustrating but at the same time like if you squint maybe three years from now that that could be something and then with Detroit I mean I think we talked about that on the last episode too Um, they just need to do something new front office with Troy Weaver he took a risk on the Russell Westbrook experience in Oklahoma City it paid off for him maybe he's saying well look this guy's got a lot of talent of stuff that you can't teach we've just got to get him uh, you know, the right foundation, he's going to be a player. So I think one of those three teams should be looking to trade up and and make something happen with Minnesota. And I think all three of those would be better fits for LaMelo, even if they're not great winning organizations right now. And even though they're all kind of depressing, they would be better individual fits for LaMelo because he would just be more free to do what he wants to do. I think I, I agree with you, I think, for all three of these except – like fundamentally I don't know how pumped I would be about trading up and what I would actually trade up to get LaMelo just because like in looking at some of the other players in this draft class you can maybe get a better uh, prospect um, than LaMelo just by sitting still and using your pick Um, maybe not the Knicks but the Pistons and definitely the Bulls at number four wait so if you're the Bulls would you trade like Wendell Carter Jr. in the four for, for the one 
No, no, absolutely not. So no. who do you, I mean, I like who do you, I like Wendell Carter. So, but who do you take but, out yeah, for in that in that scenario? Uh, that's a good. I mean, first of all, like I I, I want to speak for the Bulls fans. The I don't know how many are listening right now. Um, when you said that they have no point guard now or for the future, I mean. Kobe White's post All Star splits no, twenty five no, no, points, no. Come on. five assists per game. Let's go! Come on, Ben. Um, but career six, no. <laughs> career six man energy guy off the bench. I mean, look, he's not going to be, he's not going to be the guy who's running the offense and like leading a, a high level efficient attack. That's just never going to happen. Let's go, Kobe. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree that Lamelo would be like a pretty good fit there. I'm just saying, like. It, you need him to drop for you. I don't want to move up to get him. I think that if you're Chicago, you would be thrilled because there's the possibility that this guy is the primary option for you once you're a good basketball team and he can be the star. And to your point, um, I know you 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 kind of uh, factor in the marketing uh, upside a little bit more than I do in these conversations, but that's for sure like a dream situation for Chicago and their market and how big they are and. Uh, Lamelo's popularity that would be huge. They would be an attractive draw. They'd probably get some nationally televised games, m- many more so than if they didn't have Lamelo. So, um, I think that fit is really, really good for both sides. Um, but yeah, again, I just wouldn't trade. Like I just like Wendell Carter. I think he's a really good, smart piece, um, useful piece in his position. Um, uh, needing someone just with his size and all the things that he can theoretically bring to the table. Uh, but maybe I, I, I might actually move Markinen to be honest with you, if I had to move one of those, one of the two young bigs that they have there to move up. But I, I don't think I would move up. I think I would just sit still. Now poor Minnesota is going to have the worst defensive team of <laughs> all time. Can you imagine a front line with Markinen and Carl Anthony Towns? Perfect. Um, what is LaMelo's nightmare destination? Like, you remember when Zach Levine put his head down on the desk when he got drafted by Minnesota and he just was, like, so forlorn on draft night? He couldn't believe that they took him. I think he even cursed under his breath and they cut it on camera, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is there a destination that's, like, kind of realistic for LaMelo you feel like fits that bill? Is it Minnesota? Like, just because he would have to kind of run shotgun to D'Angelo Russell where would it be among, say, these top three, four teams? I think, yeah, I mean, Minnesota is the first team I wrote down here as a nightmare. I just, I just think long-term and short-term, it's just not going to be great for his development. Um, my my number two team is the actually the second team picking in the draft, and that's Golden State. Like, I... I think you're just throwing this guy into the fire, uh, and it could be a, just a total disaster um, if he's just asked to suddenly be. I mean, that team is going to the playoffs, and like, I don't think Lamelo Ball is going to be ready for the NBA playoffs as a rookie or even a second-year player potentially, um, given just he, he has never been in a real like super competitive environment in his life. So throwing him into the fire there could be a, just a, an absolutely terrible scenario for him and for the Warriors, so that could be bad. Um, and then you mentioned the Knicks before. 
And I know I said that I didn't disagree, but the Knicks are just terrible for everyone. So if he goes there, it'll probably not be great for for him or for the city. So um, yeah. So those are like, is he a yeah. Tibbs player? That's that's a question. And who and he, he is not. And, and how many teenagers in the world right now are Tibbs players? I think that's a completely fair question and open question that waits to be uh, answered here over the next couple of years. I'm with you on the Golden State part. I mean, remember how shook Lonzo looked when LeBron arrived and all of a sudden like all the organization's focus shifted towards winning and it was all like a completely different um, expectation uh, you know set up and he just he was in some nights he was out other nights never looked comfortable didn't seem like he really uh, could wrap his mind around what the task was at hand I could easily see LaMelo being an even tougher spot because that would be his rookie year with guys who have won an awful lot together that's just, you know, a, a tough spot to fit in, not only for him, though. I mean, I think guys like Wiseman and Anthony Edwards, their heads would be spinning, too, um, if they wind up going there, too. And that would be a real coaching challenge, I think, for Steve Kerr and his staff is making sure those guys feel comfortable, making sure Draymond is not flipping out on them um, in, a, in a negative way. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that's something they've got to uh, kind of wrap their minds around as an organization here. Okay, um, let's uh, switch gears here to some of these trade rumors because they're getting pretty, pretty, pretty juicy. Now, Michael, last week I told you three players I wanted to see traded. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. So far, we've got real rumors about two of those three. And then Harden, okay, maybe not quite yet. Sounds like, uh, according to The Athletic, he's still locked in with Houston. But, uh, you know, things are getting pretty, pretty spicy down there. Let's start with Westbrook because uh, Sham Sharania reported that he wants out of the Houston Rockets, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, I can't say I'm surprised at all. I mean, the entire experience was a disaster uh, ever since they traded for him. We've been over that time and time again. Um, I'm curious, though, when you saw this news, Michael, this idea that, okay, uh, Westbrook has had enough, that longstanding friendship with James Harden wasn't going to carry them through until a second season, possibly. Um, are you in favor of, of moving him now before the season? And like, What's kind of the best you could hope for in a package? And are you willing to just kind of salary dump him if you're the Rockets so that you don't have to, to deal with it? Or, or do you need to get something back uh, to, to make a deal uh, actually happen? Uh, so many questions. Um, I mean, my initial reaction to the news was like, like who is going to trade for Russell Westbrook? Like you're not in a, if you're Russell Westbrook, you're really not in a position to be saying you want out after you were the reason that your team was terrible in the playoffs, like almost single-handedly sabotaging the ch their chances. Um, so like this is, we should mention today is Russell Westbrook's 32nd birthday and two seasons from now, obviously when he's 34, he's due a $47 million player option. Um, that he can opt into, which he definitely will. So this guy's owed something nearing $145, $150 million over the next three years. Like, it is... I just don't understand. Like, I couldn't be in that situation and be, like, making demands. and be like, I'm making how much money to be terrible at basketball? Like, throw it my way. I'm living large in Houston. This is wonderful. Um, but that's just me. So I don't... I, I Like, I don't... 
I don't know what leverage he he has here to try to make a move, and I don't know what teams. I mean, I have a few listed here, but like realistically, if I'm a GM, if I'm actually putting myself in the shoes of another GM or an, another uh, owner, like I'm not super pumped about getting Russell Westbrook into my organization right now. So it's just a. It's kind of a terrible situation all the way around. I don't know how it plays out. Um, if I'm Houston, I'm trying to move him, but can I? I? I don't know. So the types of teams that would actually want Westbrook would be the dead enders, right? The the kinds of organizations that really have nothing to sell to their fan base. They don't have a signature star. They're not having title aspirations because you saw what's going to happen if you get into a tense playoff moment at this point. Westbrook's body is probably not going to hold up. He's going to throw the ball out of bounds. He's going to be dared to shoot jumpers. He's not going to be able to hit them. He's going to be frenetic running all over the court, not guarding anybody. And a lot of times in that second round series against the Lakers, he was the weakest link on the court, right? So if you're a first, second, third tier team, I don't think you can justify a trade. You know, even putting aside the money part, which is a lot to put aside, just from a basketball standpoint, I don't think you can justify a trade. And if anyone does trade for him in that kind of a category, I will crush them just like I crushed the Rockets last year when they traded for him. So who does that leave? Who are some of the teams you think could actually talk themselves into the idea of a, a Westbrook trade? Now, there was a rumor going around uh, today that maybe the Charlotte Hornets would possibly be in that mix. I think there's been some unsourced speculation about maybe the Detroit Pistons, uh, you know, having an opening at that point guard spot potentially and, um, you know, being in this mix. Is there any other teams, I guess maybe Orlando, they've never had a point guard, it seems like, basically besides Jameer Nelson in the last 20, 25 years. Um, That could be a a possible option. Is there anybody else uh, or, or do you like one of those particular fits for Westbrook? You're stepping on all my answers here. All but, three I of mean, them? I, really? I, I, I literally had all three of those teams written down here. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, think we're just thinking alike here with realistically what is, what is an option. I mean, I was thinking through, like, all the desperate teams in the Eastern Conference that want to make the playoffs, Charlotte, Orlando. Um, I'd actually consider, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta got in the running here. Oh, or, wow. E- or even Cleveland. I mean, these are just teams that feel like they want to win. Um, but they have the pressure yeah, to, they, to win. They, they feel like they want to win, but they don't know how to, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I hear you on that. And I mean, even Chicago and New York, who we were mentioning for LaMelo, like, I think that a lot of the teams that are like desperate enough to hitch their ride to LaMelo would be able to talk themselves for the exact same reasons into Westbrook, except it would be less painful. It would be more of a shortcut. And so I don't want to shortchange some of those big market teams either. Like I could see Thibodeau liking Westbrook well enough and, you know, Westbrook enjoying like a, you know, an aggressive and accountable environment. Like I could see that actually playing out, but we've named basically every bad team there is. Do you have a favorite? I do. Um, first, let me give you, I have a couple of fake trades here. Um, that I just want to quickly throw out in case they happen, I can get them on the record. <laughs> um, the first one is Orlando, just because I, 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 you were really smart to just point out that they've never had a point guard or haven't had one in over 10 years, really. And I don't think Markel Fultz is the answer. I'm not saying Westbrook is the answer, but I am saying that if they want to make the playoffs and have any type of like competitive spirit in a playoff series... You can just give the ball to Westbrook, and maybe he still has that triple-double 
dynamism in him uh, for at least one more year. I don't know. But I think an interesting trade package would be uh, that Houston would like is Vucevic and Terrence Ross for Westbrook. Um, too, too much, really, too much, Orlando. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's where we kind of get into an interesting situation where it's kind of like if you are Orlando, and this is why I, I think getting a, a, a trade actually done is almost impossible because if you are the recipient of that contract, you are going to want assets to take it on. Um, even though you see Westbrook, the player, as beneficial to your ability to make the playoffs in the short term. So it's just, it's it's really tough. I like that one just because I think Houston would be excited about it, <laughs> which they really would be. They would be over the moon. And I think they would be a, a championship contender, like straight up right there with Harden, Vucevic, Ross coming off the bench. You keep PJ Tucker, you have Eric Gordon, et cetera. I think that that would be a really fun team. Like there's no way you're um, going to get like an all-star level player in Vucevic for Westbrook and his contract at this point. Unless, I mean, Houston doesn't have enough picks to attach to even make that possible. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I mean, if I was Orlando, I would trade Terrence Ross and I would trade the mascot. Uh, past that, you know, I, I mean, I'm holding on to my top 10 assets in that kind of a trade. And I actually think it's easier to construct a Westbrook trade if you use teams that have open cap space, right? Because then you can do kind of an unbalanced trade and you don't have to send back yep. quite as much money, which is where that idea of uh, Atlanta gets a little bit interesting because they do have cap space. I just don't think he quite fits with their their natural building mode that they want to have around Trey Young. I just think that would be a little bit too much pressure to put on to trade and you're kind of fighting over control of the ball, fighting over control of the offense. So I don't love that one, but a team like Detroit has cap space. Were they on your list? Did you yes. have a fake trade for them? They, uh, Detroit is actually my favorite. And Mine that's too. Like the, the, wow. Yeah, look at I that. Lo- I, well, I just, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of like you mentioned earlier, Troy Weaver now running basketball ops. He comes from Oklahoma city. His claim to fame is convincing the Thunder to take Westbrook fourth overall. Um, so there's that connection there. So it's a reunion maybe, tour is what it is. It's the it's, Russell Westbrook. It's a really sad, yeah, it's Keith Richards at, you know, 97 years old going on tour on a European leg. But Well, like, can I, I just point out, though, he would be in the Eastern Conference. And I think the key here for Westbrook is to just admit that he's an Eastern Conference player at this point of his career, right? It's, it's like the Paul Millsap currency exchange. I talk about this. You know, you go from the West. <laughs> You go to Atlanta, all of a sudden you get to be an all-star if you're Paul Millsap for four years. You never made an all-star in the Western Conference. You go back to the Western Conference, and now you're pretty much losing your starting job because uh, the talent's just so much deeper and better out there. It's almost like a funhouse mirror. Make that Western Conference to Eastern Conference transition, and you could really save yourself, and you could really make yourself look pretty darn good for the next couple of years. So if I was Westbrook, that would be my top criteria for you know, steer me anywhere into the Eastern Conference. I will look better. I will have easier night-to-night matchups. I'll be able to punish some of these uh, weaker point guards um, in that conference, and just life will be a lot better. And actually, this same argument is part of the reason why we should be higher on Kevin Durant on the Nets. It's very possible that he looks just absolutely ridiculous going against the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. talent uh, this coming year. But I digress. Give me your Russell Westbrook to the Pistons trade idea. Well, so as you said earlier, I mean, the Pistons can really take in a lot of uh, this salary with their cap space. So you can just kind of play around and it, it, like I don't have anything set in stone here. Um, but the, the bottom line is that Detroit would not necessarily need to send out anything meaningful to make this trade happen. And I guess if you're Houston, you're doing it just to get Westbrook off your books, right? Um 
I think everyone who listened to our last episode is probably like really confused by what we're saying about the Pistons because in our last episode we discussed their future as being one of uh, needing to level the books and and use cap space in a more intelligent and patient way take on bad contracts uh, get more assets draft wisely with the seventh pick in this year's draft have your own picks going forward and just rebuild right Um, this is uh, this would obviously be a shift and I don't I don't think Troy Weaver is actually like going to be super pumped about the possibility of being handcuffed to Westbrook for the next three years. But I find it to be a really fascinating basketball move. And if you were to pair Westbrook with Blake Griffin, again, in the East, with that seventh overall pick, I think Dwayne Casey would be super pumped. I think just ba- their baseline talent, if healthy, is like really high. I mean, both those players could conceivably be all-stars this season, which is a really weird thing to say and think about. But if they are healthy, that could happen in the Eastern Conference. And all of a sudden... And if they're not not healthy, you're tanking right on schedule for next year's draft, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, your cap sheet is terrible and it's going to be really difficult to uh to rebuild beyond exactly beyond tanking with the talent that you have um or at least the high-priced contracts that you have so i mean i just think if you're troy reaver like i would do it if i had a guarantee that we're just taking this brief detour for the next couple seasons where we're going to try to win now and i'm going to be able to build around russ and Blake, and then you let me rebuild once that just catches on fire, which it inevitably will. Um, that's the only reason or only way I would do that if I was Troy Weaver. But I do think that this is a really intriguing uh, destination for him. Well, I think the best argument is that they haven't had like a big time star level guy in an awfully long time, right? I mean, would you compare this to maybe even like the Allen Iverson in Detroit era? I mean, similar similar shades of that. I mean, it's been so long since they've had a big time talent there. Well, and you you could say Blake is maybe, but he gave yeah, you what like yeah. four or five good months, and it's still not the same when you're you know, a big guy trying to make it work with Andre Drummond and everything else. I mean, Westbrook, as you've pointed out, had a couple of amazing months last year where he's, you know, practically averaging triple doubles and doing his crazy thing. Detroit has not seen something that fun or that impressive in a long, long, long time, right? So you don't even necessarily have to be winning or like having an above 500 record. You just need to be more entertaining than the dreariest team that they've been for the last 10 years. And so I think there's some level of appeal there. The fan base would probably try to rally around it to some degree. And then you've also got this idea that the coach and Dwayne Casey, if you give him the option, hey, we're going to trade up a bunch of assets to get LaMelo, or we're going to use some of our cap space here to go out and facilitate a deal with Westbrook, I think Dwayne Casey would say, give me Westbrook, don't you think? Oh, and Yeah, in two seconds. If you're the coach, you take Westbrook, which is kind of crazy to say and suggest, but uh, that's what, if I'm doing crazy, that's what I want because I want to be in the playoffs. I want to have the possibility of of winning a playoff series and then just kind of seeing what happens. And if my baseline talent is healthy, Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook looks like the MVP candidate that he did for stretches last year again, and then Blake, who everyone is fawning over physically right now and saying that he's 100%, et cetera. Like if he looks, I don't know if he'll ever look like he did, you know, four or five years ago for the rest of his career, but he is someone who's now, um, 
he can shoot the ball. Um, pull up threes are in his game now. So I think he's he's aging. Um, I don't know if like aging super well, but aging better than we thought he might. So I, I think it's an interesting combination there. So if I was doing Casey, I'd be all for it um, and just try to make the best of a really uh, interesting situation. Um, but real quick, like moving on from Detroit, I think we should mention the Charlotte Hornets because they're the other team here that's just really sad and uh, not very good in the Eastern Conference. And it's another team that is that should be heading in the opposite direction. They have the third overall pick in this year's draft. They have all this cap space in the future, assuming that they don't take on Russell Westbrook's monstrosity of a contract. Um so, like, for Charlotte, uh, can I throw my fake trade at you and you tell me what you think? Please. And let's just say, first of all, Michael Jordan loves Russell Westbrook because he's a Jordan yes. brand endorser and they're both kind of like, you know, hard-headed competitors. There's been a, a real bond there for a long time, dating back to even before the MVP season. And let's also just say that Michael Jordan's currently paying Terry Rozier like $20 million. So if you're trying to justify paying Westbrook 45, you just look at Terry Rozier's contract and think, huh, okay, well, I'd probably rather pay Russell what he's earning than Terry Rozier what he's earning. So that's sort of how you do the mental gymnastics if you're a small market Charlotte franchise that wasn't willing to pay up to keep Kemba Walker. That's how you kind of talk yourself into the Russell Westbrook experience. All right, let's hear your fake trade. <laughs> right. Um, this is gross. Uh, Nick Batum, who has a player option, obviously he's going to opt into that because he's one of the worst players in the NBA um, since he signed that deal. Um, Nick Batum and Cody Zeller for Russell Westbrook. Wow. Um this is more what I'm talking about. When you threw out Vucevic, I was like, Michael, I don't know what you're doing there in Michigan, but it might be illegal. <laughs> but now we're getting into some really, really dark, uh, you know, dark areas. Does Charlotte have to include a pick just to help Tillman save face? You know, because I think that one hang up of a possible Westbrook trade is the transitive property, right? Where like A equals B, B equals C. So if you trade Chris Paul and multiple first-round picks for Westbrook. Then you wait 12 months and you trade Westbrook yeah. for Nick Batum and whatever else you said. Um, <laughs> like, it could be a situation where, like, the government steps in to take the Houston Rockets from you because you've just, like, been so derelict of your duty as an owner where, like, there has to be an intervention from, uh, you know, the federal government officials. So that could really hold them back. Um so I guess you got to include a pick. You got to do something to sweeten that up. Otherwise, it's just too hard of a loss for Tillman to stomach, isn't it? Yeah, but also a federal government interjection is not something that Tillman would shy away from, I think, real quick. I just want to throw that in there. But uh, He wants but to no, stare uh, down? <laughs> or he, he wants to bail out? Yeah, either way. Exactly. That's exactly what he wants. Um, but... Yeah, no, it would exactly. It would be gross. Um, it would be embarrassing, I think, on a lot of levels for a lot of people. Uh, but I mean, if you're Houston, you get off the money. Both Cody and Nick Batum are on expiring contracts next season, so you're fine there. And then I believe Raphael Stone, the the new GM of Houston, has said that uh, you know they are going to be at trying to add a more traditional five. And I think Cody Zeller is one of the more underrated pick and roll partners in the NBA when he is healthy. 
So right there, like, uh, I think that's a good fit with James Harden, assuming you're trying to keep James Harden. Um, so who's a, who's a better season. sidekick for James Harden, would you say? Uh, Chris Paul or Cody Zeller? <laughs> I mean, how the mighty have fallen in Houston. I hear what you're saying, actually. Uh, Cody Zeller, he's had his own you know, struggles to stay healthy, too. Um, mm-hmm. But he's been an awesome plus-minus guy at various points of his career. He is you know, a more modern center. It's a little bit more traditional than trying to go with the super-duper undersized uh, lineups. You're going to have to figure out something because it sounds like P.J. Tucker wants out, too. So you, you probably do need to have a, a fairly big overhaul. At least that gives you a piece. But, man, if you're trading all that stuff with Chris Paul and, and, the, and the shining star you're getting back is Cody Zeller, that is really tough. I mean, I, I think that uh, <laughs> e- even Houston probably just tries to say, look, suck it up, Westbrook. And you're, you're on our team for now if that's the best offer they can come up with. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Did you have any other trade scenarios for Westbrook or should we move to Chris Paul? Let's let's go into Chris. Okay. Um, there's been a couple rumors. Phoenix Suns have popped up. 
I saw the Los Angeles Clippers somehow popped up, which would be another homecoming idea. Um, I think the, the notion with the Suns is that Chris Paul could be the guy to take them over the top. Uh, he has a relationship with their coach, Monty Williams. He has a relationship with James Jones, uh, their executive. So there's a trust factor there. Um, the Suns have needed to make the playoffs for a long time. Chris Paul could certainly help them do that, given what he was able to do with, I think, a less uh, talented supporting cast in Oklahoma City last year. Um, there's not quite as much money left on his contract as there was when he signed it. So, um, you know, it's a, a big investment from Suns ownership, but at the same time, they're facing some level of pressure to keep Devin Booker happy, to get over the hump, and to develop DeAndre Ayton. You know, Chris Paul theoretically lines up on all of those things. I kind of like this idea of him going to the Phoenix Suns. It does sound like that they've already had some level of discussions between the Suns and Chris Paul about making something like this work. What do you think, Michael? Do you have a favorite you know, trade scenario here, or is there a different destination you would prefer Chris Paul to land? I mean, in a perfect world, I think the most the like the most fun destination would be Milwaukee, and I think we've kind of beat that one to death. And I just I, I, I you know the Bucks just have no interest it seems in trying to add that much money onto a team that you know if Giannis leaves, all of a sudden you have this ridiculous contract for Chris Paul in Milwaukee, and you're just a very very depressing organization. Um, but I I love Phoenix. I mean, I love just this veteran who's still very good um still a, a positive influence still gets it done on both ends um really shores up your crunch time offense and just uh, you know send him to a team that has really talented young pieces in in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and I think his his influence in one or two years with both those guys will go a long way um long after CP's retired and his on-court influence when he's there like he just lets both those guys do a lot of different things and I think he'll improve DeAndre Ayton's pick and roll game I think you can use Devin Booker off the ball even more than you did you can put the ball in Devin Booker's hands and he'll have way more space to operate in because Chris Paul's one of the better spot up three-point shooters in the league and when Ricky Rubio was on the floor last season with Devin Booker that whoever's guarding Rubio can just completely ignore him so that would no longer be an option I, I really like this 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 trio together Aiton Paul and Booker um I don't know how like I guess like the the question then after you make a trade like this is like what is the ceiling for the Phoenix Suns next season and the year after like so I guess I'm gonna pose that to you Ben well I think the people who are asking that question and oh, what's the long term? How does this affect their long term planning? Look, the Suns have been terrible for so long that they're reaching the point where they can't think about the long term. They don't have the luxury about thinking about a five year plan because all that needs to happen is Devin Booker says, I've had enough of losing. You know, I've been mm-hmm. in the NBA for five years, I've never made the playoffs, I want out. And the entire long-term plan is blown up. If you're trying to build a team around DeAndre Ayton and not Devin Booker, you're going to suck for the next five years, right? So there's a lot of short-term pressure right now to put him in a situation where he can take that next step. And he can also play with a guy who I do think will make him better. Um, You know, you're mentioning Chris Paul playing off of Devin Booker. Remember, Chris Paul can oscillate what he does on offense you know, play to play, 
right? And we saw that in yep. Houston where if Harden's off the court, you know, Chris Paul plays one way. If Harden's on the court, Chris Paul plays a different way. I could see the exact same thing happening in Phoenix. And this idea that you could always have either Booker or Paul on the court, stagger those guys' minutes, your offense is going to be darn good, especially if you're playing those guys together in in clutch situations where, you know, Chris Paul is playing setup man, uh, Booker's, you know, dealing with single coverages more often. I think that could work really, really well. I also think Chris Paul was put on earth to save guys like DeAndre Ayton from themselves, right? I mean, that's pretty much who he is. He's going to be that annoying big brother presence, uh, you know, good role model type presence, just staying on a guy. DeAndre Ayton's not going to fail a drug test. He's not going to forget to take a coronavirus test if Chris Paul is his teammate. He's just going to be locked into a different level um, as a competitor. And, you know, look, if he can't live up to that, if there's chafing there between those guys, that says more about Ayton than it does about Chris Paul. And I actually don't think there would be. I think it would actually work out quite well. And I say that in part because you know it's going to be a short-term solution because of Chris Paul's age, right? As everybody's kind of on the same the same timeline here, it's going to be a two-year experiment. He's not going to wear out his welcome. He's going to leave a positive mark on these players. They're going to get uh, some upward momentum in the standings, and then the training wheels are going to come off after, after that point. And the young sons are going to be ready to be kind of a, a playoff mainstay. I think that's the the game plan if you're those guys. And I can see it working out that way. Now, what is their ceiling? Um, I hear a lot of people say, oh, they're just going to be a seven seed. They're just going to be an eight seed. Don't forget, mm. don't forget, OKC was a five seed last year, right? Chris Paul is really, really good. And I think the tricky part for Phoenix is they may have to play other teams in that Pacific division more often just because of the weird schedule. And so that mean, that could mean they're playing Golden State a lot, Lakers a lot, Clippers a lot. So I think this is a good year actually for them to load up um, because that's a just a murderer's row potentially. But I also think that there is some upside to this. I don't think they're going to win a playoff series if they trade for Chris Paul, but I think they could be better than just barely squeaking in. Um, and I think from that standpoint, that's the best news Phoenix has heard since they traded Steve Nash. So if I'm them, I do it. And I don't understand the hesitation. And I certainly don't get this idea of like, oh, play for tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised in Phoenix. Tomorrow has been ugly and full of guys like Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender for like the last 10 years. So forget about tomorrow, play for tonight. I mean, I think I'm a little higher on them. No surprise, because we're talking about the Phoenix Suns, but I think I'm a little higher on them than you are. Like, if CP is, I mean, this is kind of a big if, like, he's going to be a year older, but if he is the same player that he was last year when he was uh, an all-NBA contributor who, you know, some might call an MVP candidate... I mean, the ways that he makes players like DeAndre Ayton better, DeAndre Ayton is likely to make a leap um, or just improve on both ends of the ball as he did from year one to year two. And then Devin Booker is only getting better and excelling on the offensive end and and getting more disciplined on the defensive end. Like, I would... I would venture to throw them into the same category, you know, including the fact that they have Mikael Bridges, who I love as a two-way wing, um, and Cam Johnson looked great. I would throw them in the same category as the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz, honestly. Um, I would put them, like, right below championship contention out west. I'm not saying they're as good as the Lakers or the Clippers, um, but I, I, you know— I think that they could be really, really, really good. And they also have the 10th pick in this year's draft. So that's something to play with also. So, I mean, like, I, I just, I this would be such a, a benefit to them um, getting CP, uh, exchanging CP with Rubio. Like, it's, 
Am I going overboard here, or do you kind of see where I'm where I'm at? No, I mean, I was saying, like, they could be right sort of in that same group as Oklahoma City was last year, so I think that's, you know, maybe a little bit lower than what you're saying, but not that much. I think that's sort of their best-case scenario. I think we should also look at this from Oklahoma City's side. I mean, this, to me, looks like a pure financially motivated move. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, especially if you're looking at Phoenix, because they have cap space, you're able to take back less salary, more flexible salary. So the players you do take back, if you don't want them, you could potentially, you know, uh, just kind of turn around and flip into a different trade. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be looking for draft picks like they always are. Um, you know, Sam Presti's like, you know, made that a, a habit and a sport here over the last 10 years. So he's going to want that. Um, but I, I do think uh, from Oklahoma City, I mean, they're, they're hiring a coach here this week with one year as an NBA assistant uh, coaching experience. Mm-hmm. And, and prior to that, it was just all G League stuff. That, to me, says that they're in a very tight spot uh, financially. If they're turning around from what was a dream season and trading their best player um, and doing so with an eye towards cap flexibility and then hiring the cheapest coach possible um, into that spot and, and moving on from Billy Donovan, who was a solid coach, that says the pandemic is catching up with them in a small market. Not a huge shock there, um, but I, I do think we should just mention that in terms of like you know other teams similar to the Rockets possibly who are you know relooking at their roster and their front office and everything else because of uh, of the impact of the pandemic. So I think it's a great opportunity for Phoenix to trade for a big time talent, a guy to me who's who's actually a better player still than Devin Booker. And uh, just get themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Who had a bigger impact on wins and losses last year? <clears throat> no, I mean, I I actually, now that I'm processing your statement, it's not that crazy, but it just kind of supports my optimism for the team. So, yeah. The only part that sucks for their fans, though, no, you know, you're not being able to get to go see that in person, right? Like, after all these yeah. tough years waiting and you get Chris Paul and then you've got to, like, wait out a pandemic and just watch it on TV. That's tough. But, you know, at the same time, look, you'd probably be there for two years and you get the second year and, and that could still be fun too. So I say do it. And I, I think I could see Chris Paul being interested in this idea as well. Um, you know, he proved that he could take a young and kind of inexperienced team to pretty impressive heights last year. This would actually be a talent upgrade. You could argue it's a market upgrade, um, especially from a weather standpoint. And, uh, you know, why not? the only downside to me is he's just bouncing from city to city to city. And that's got to be pretty annoying. If I was him, I would certainly want to prioritize going to a place where I could spend the rest of my contract at minimum. Right. You know, I wouldn't want to just do these one year deals and get traded every single summer. That would get pretty old, pretty fast. All right. Last one here to wrap up, Michael. Um, We had some discussion that uh, from ESPN that maybe James Harden was, uh, you know, eyeing the direction of the Houston Rockets uh, here after losing Daryl Morey and losing Mike D'Antoni, and and he wasn't totally thrilled about it. Then we did hear that Westbrook wanted out, but we also heard from The Athletic that, you know, possibly James Harden's still locked into Houston. At the same time, we're getting all of these reports that some of their other role players, everybody from Eric Gordon to Austin Rivers, just aren't happy with what their roles look like and they could potentially be going elsewhere. PJ Tucker wants a new contract, which is like the worst kept secret um, in the league. So what does all of this mean for James Harden? Should he be thinking, as I've been encouraging him, to just get out in front of all this drama and to try to get himself traded before the start of the season and just leave the mess for somebody else? Or should he try to hang on with uh, you know a post Westbrook supporting cast that might look different, that might not have Austin Rivers, that might have some you know major new faces replacing guys who have been around him for the last couple of years. How would you play things if you're hard, and how much pressure would you apply 
And if you did want out, where would you want to go? Hmm. I mean, I guess like if I'm hardened, I'm, I guess I'm fine where I am. Um, I mean, I'm making a ton of money and I get to play basketball with the ball in my hands and not worry about any individual sacrifices. And I am still confident enough in my own abilities to lift whoever's around me to have my team be in championship contention status. Um, Whether or not that is realistic uh, is another question. But like, I I don't know, like I, I, I don't think he's it's it's right for him yet to ask out of Houston um I think that could happen within the next six over the next 16 months at some point but right now I think it's a little too soon for him to get super aggressive and and you know sound the alarm that he doesn't want to play there anymore um am I I I mean like maybe I'm like just being a little naive here I just I don't know I just don't think that it's it's we're at that point yet for him. Well, look, from a quality of life standpoint, it would kind of suck to have to turn around and move after being there for like mm-hmm. eight years with like three weeks to go before training camp. So I could understand why he would be like, oh, come on. Like, let's just play this out, see how it goes. I'll just do my typical score 36 a night thing. And we'll just kind of see where the, the you know, see where everything lands. Um, at the same time, I think that would be a mistake. If I was him, I would try to get out. And do you know where I would want to go? Philadelphia. No, well, I mean, yes, we, we've talked about that one before. What, yes. a, what about the Brooklyn Nets, Michael? What about a big three with his, oh, wow. with his old buddy, Kevin Durant, three legit all-stars, the best big three in the league. You put those guys together. The Nets have all sorts of trade pieces that we've discussed from Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, draft picks, all that stuff. You could put together a pretty nice return package uh, for James Harden to Houston. Houston needs to hit the reset button. They're not getting a lot for Russell Westbrook. What if they get okay. all the Nets assets and then whatever they can get for Westbrook and they're starting from scratch and, and they're bottoming out next year and they're going forward? What do you think about my devious plan? You kind of turn a team in Brooklyn that makes everybody roll their eyes into maybe the leading villains of the entire league. You know, you get them out there in the black jerseys. They're wearing the black hats. You know, you can kind of see where I'm going with that. What do you think? I think you're underestimating. I think it's fascinating for sure. Um, that's it, a lot of. It talent. should happen. Would- it should happen, Michael. Come on. Okay. I, I, yes, it is fascinating. I think it would be fun to watch for like a month or two. Um, I think you are underestimating just how destructive Kyrie Irving could be as the obvious third best player on a team. Well, here's the that's, thing. That's just here's here's where it gets even more well, well here's where it gets more devious, Michael. It's even more devious okay. than that because I am not underestimating that factor. I have accurately estimated it the whole way. This is my bridge solution to a Kyrie Irving trade for Brooklyn. You just let it play out until the deadline and you say, "Look, James is better than Kyrie." And now you flip Kyrie. And now you've got Kevin Durant, a real quality partner, a much better upgrade uh, than the Kyrie Irving experience. What do you think? I, <laughs> I've been trying to manufacture fake Kyrie Irving trades for, I guess, ever since he left the Celtics and signed with Brooklyn, because I, I want the best for, uh, I guess, like, just, I want them to reach their ceiling with KD, and I don't think you can do that with Kyrie Irving there. Um, but this, I just, you know, 
this is this is diabolical i guess is the best word i can use to describe it <laughs> i'm like uh Kyrie would not go quietly is what i'll say and and i don't know what team he would be shipped to but i would imagine that the suitors are very similar to the teams that we just discussed for Russell Westbrook. And I don't think he would be super pumped about that. So all I'm saying uh, is don't let Kyrie Irving stand in the way of trading for James Harden. Cause James Harden is a much better player. He's got the relationship with KD. Those two guys together could be absolutely phenomenal, especially in the Eastern conference. And then you worry about the rest of it later. I, that's that's my argument. You know, bet on talent. I'm taking the Daryl Morey approach. Bet on talent and figure out the chemistry stuff down the road. I I like that idea better than trying to run it back with this other mishmash group around Kyrie and KD where all those guys are just going to be walking on eggshells. I, I don't know. I would do it personally. Now, I mean, I want it to happen for sure. It would be really I'm not fun. predicting this will happen. I'm just saying that it should happen and that Houston should be open to it. I mean, Brooklyn's got some assets, right? I want to real quickly uh, just talk about uh, this from Houston's perspective, um, because is that like the, if you the, the meme with the guy in the burning room and it says it's fine or whatever? Is, is that <laughs> is that Houston's perspective or what? Well, it's like what I have this guy Harden under this guy Harden. I have, I have James Harden under contract for the next <clears throat> x amount of years, and if he wants out, like what am I looking for in a trade package? I don't have to trade James Harden if I don't want to. Um, so I think like the, the 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 one of the more interesting pieces that I would look at that I haven't seen anyone discuss yet, but I think is tech, you know I would put it above a two percent possibility. What about uh, James Harden to the Sacramento Kings and a sign and trade for De'Aaron Fox? Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't you think Harden's like, come on, I don't want to do that. Tough, I think. I think that Monty McNair, who just, who's coming from Houston, he was their assistant GM last season. He's the new director of basketball ops or whatever it is in Sacramento. There's that connection right there. He obviously wants to, or he is familiar with building an analytically friendly uh, uh, on-court product around that exact player in James Harden. Um, I think that would be, you know, I don't say it's likely, but I think that that is the type of package that you could get a deal done with if... McNair was very interested in doing such a thing. Well, um, I saw some people saying, well, look, uh, Sacramento actually has the contracts to make a Westbrook trade go too. Like the- oh, no. theoretically they could try to do like um, Harrison Barnes plus somebody else to make that work. Would you have it? I mean, I, I, <laughs> no, I think no, all no. this Harden stuff that we're throwing out there is very far-fetched, but if you're Sacramento, would you, uh, would you consider having a backcourt with Darren Fox and, and Russell Westbrook and just trying to run it down people's throat? Did I... I mean, then why did I get a new general manager if I'm going to do a move like that? Like, that is that is peak Vladi Divac right there. So I, I'm not <laughs> doing that at all. I'm just looking at, like, teams that are potentially in, in it to win now or have pressure to win now. So, you know, obviously we discussed Philly, uh, Miami with, like, a prospect like Tyler Hero. I don't think that gets it done at all. Um, and just the trade destinations are really hard to come by with good fits for Harden and teams that would be interested. So Sacramento is Sacramento is a fascinating one for me just because they've been spinning their wheels for so long. And I think you get into the playoffs with James Harden. It's a great idea, Michael. You have homework for this weekend, though, okay? I want you to mm-hmm. remember that you live in Brooklyn, 
and I want you to mm-hmm. really think long and hard about how great your life would be if you had KD, James Harden, and Kyrie on the same team to cover. And then I want you to report back on Monday how much you love my idea and how you're now 100% behind it. Maybe even write a, <laughs> a column about it for GQ or 538 pushing the entire idea. Just just a slight homework assignment for you. All right, guys, I think we've reached the end of our matchmaker episode here. We found some pretty good fits, I think, Michael, for uh, for Chris Paul, for Russell Westbrook, for LaMelo Ball, and maybe even for James Harden. Let us know who did we forget, who did we miss? Do you have a favorite team out there that would like any of these guys? Do you have proposals of how to get them? We will take all of those next week as we ramp up for the NBA draft, which is coming up fast next Wednesday. All right, Michael, they can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. When you find our page, scroll down. It will say Rate and Review. Tap five stars for us. It's just that easy to help us spread the word. Now, Michael's on Instagram at Michael Villas and Victor Pina. He's on Twitter at the same handle, Michael Villas and Victor Pina. I'm on Instagram at Ben.Golliver, on Twitter at Ben Golliver. All right, guys, be sure to check out my Washington Post newsletter. It drops every single Monday. Sign up on my Twitter page. Hey, Michael, until next week, I will talk to you. That's it, Ben. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come together, it's magic. And for 30 years, we've celebrated that because our ideas, our art, our flavor, our community, our impact, there's nothing like it here in this place. This is where we fall more in love with everything that makes us, us. This is the place where we love us. Celebrate 30 years of loving us at Essence Festival. Get your tickets at EssenceFestival.com.